Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to learn from Bailey Wasdell. Bailey is a former quarterback for from St. Francis Xavier University. He has since graduated from school with a bachelor's in business administration and has recently published a book, Stay the Course. So Bailey, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate you taking the time to come on today. But I'm going to open up with this question. I, as an athlete, so I did sports in high school as well, so I kind of have a general idea. But what was kind of the initial draw, I guess, to football at the start? Let's start there, and then we'll kind of see where we go. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be on the show. Like I said, I think, you're, I think you've had a lot of good quality guests, and you're doing great things with the show. And um, I'm excited to be a part of it and hopefully add some value. To get to your question my path in football sort of started pretty young. Um, I was kind of exposed to sports from a young age. Um, my, my dad was always a big sports fan and, uh, I was around it all the time when I was growing up, uh, kind of watching sports and stuff with him. And, uh, my dad grew up in a small town and, uh, he didn't really, he didn't really have a lot of opportunities to play sports the way I did. And, um, we had a, we had a very different upbringing, my, the way my parents were kind of were kind of raised and the way they kind of chose to raise me. And I think a lot of that was uh, they wanted to provide for me opportunities that they never had. And, um, you know, I think that's I think that's typical of all parents. They want to yeah. they want to kind of set their kids up on a platform to be able to start kind of from where they started and ascend even higher. And um I think a lot of my upbringing, my, my parents were focused on giving me the opportunities that they didn't have. And a big part of that was sports and, and football. And so my parents always encouraged me, um, to play football. And, um, you know, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have my first job, my first actual job until I was in university. And a lot of people are like, man, that's crazy. Like I got my first job, you know, when I was in my high school or even younger. And mm -hmm. I just sit, tell them like when I was, um, you know, when I was high school age and younger, my, my parents just said, Hey, your job is to, is to play football and, you know, to enjoy, uh, you know, not just football, but, you know, other sports and kind of, um, you know, those pursuits that, that you're passionate about. And, uh, you know, you, they're, they're, uh, they're only there for a finite amount of time in your life. And, um, you know, I always wanted to, to make the most of those opportunities and enjoy them while they were there before kind of your career eventually wraps up. And, mm -hmm. yeah, and I mean, a big part of what took me to, to St. FX, um, when I, when I did end up going there for university was football. And, um, I, I sort of chose to delay my, uh, the start of my sort of business career so that I could, so that I could go and continue my football career. Um, because I knew, you know, I'd, I'd kind of have my whole life to work, but, but to play football and sports was, was such a limited finite mm -hmm. portion of my life that I wasn't willing to give up sort of any time, um, to play it that I could. I think that's, that's awesome. I like that you mentioned that there's only like that little small time frame to, kind of do the things like you only really get one shot to do that and even the professionals right eventually their career go comes to an end and 
they're usually left at like 30 40 if they're really good saying man not like now what right so kind of walk me through that right your career starts wrapping up you get to the point where it's now what yeah it's a good question and i think a lot of uh, a lot of pro players and of course I never uh, I never played professional football but um, a lot of athletes that are good enough to play professional they end up getting to the end of their careers which inevitably comes and you know all they knew was was their sport and it's a lot it's very difficult for people to transition after that um, I was lucky because I I had a lot of um, I had a lot of other talents, I would say, um, outside of sport. Like, I think I was, I was always a good student. Um, I think I, I have some, some talents in, in the business world and, um, it was easier for me to transition. And I think when I was younger, it was kind of like, you know, all I thought about was playing football and that's all I wanted to do. And then as I sort of started to progress, um, through, the through the different levels and kind of kind of get the higher levels I you know I, I thought like I initially thought you know my biggest impact in the world was going to be through sport and then I kind of started to realize you know hey I've got other skills I've got other gifts um, and you know I, I can um, I can make an impact elsewhere and sorry to interrupt but would you even say some of those skills that you kind of realized kind of came from football as well like developing some of those skills yeah absolutely like I think there's so many transferable skills um from sport and you know you just you learn you learn things like um you know dealing with adversity and um but all sorts of transferable skills and I, I often think back to I think back to a, a quote from Peyton Manning who was one of my one of the you know professional athletes I looked up to and when he retired he said the end of my football career is just the beginning of something I haven't even discovered yet. And, you know, I think that's true about me too. And, um, I often reflect on my journey as a football player and collegiate athlete. And a lot of those experiences, um, you know, they kind of help, they help me and they guide me and, you know, all the things I'm doing today. And, um, and I would say even a lot of kind of, inspiration for the book was um it was derived through you know experiences um in my final years at at St. FX and so yeah it all kind of culminates and it all kind of uh it all kind of carries forward and you continue to use those skills as long as you kind of continue to reflect on the lessons that you learn from the experiences I, I like that and that that was actually kind of my initial draw to have you on the show was kind of that story you told at the last, like that last year, as it's Saint, I mean, I know it's Saint Francis Xavier. What's the word you've been using? Saint of Fax. Yeah. Saint FX. Yeah, just FX for Saint Francis FX. Xavier. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah, that that sounds like a lot easier to say. So your time there, what that last season? Could you kind of describe to the listeners what that was like? Yeah. So. I mean, it, I will say this. So I was fortunate to have a pretty long career. Um, I know you're in the U.S. and typically the collegiate career is four, four or five years. I ended up actually playing eight seasons uh, because eligibility is a little longer in Canada. And mm -hmm. also we had the COVID year where we lost a season and um, eligibility was actually extended for that. And so 
I graduated um, in the the year that the season was canceled, and instead of sort of moving on and just kind of moving forward with my my accounting career, which would be kind of my post football career, um, I decided to put everything on hold and and go back um, back to school for another season and just finish out that last year of eligibility that I still had because of the canceled season. And, you know, I had this vision, I, I suppose, of, of kind of coming back, um, playing, you know, playing quarterback for the team, um, leading, leading the team to a championship and uh, kind of riding off like that and that being my final season. And um, we, the year before the COVID canceled season, we sort of struggled as a team, as an offense, um, you know, we were young, we had a, we had a young offensive coordinator and, uh, we really struggled. And then we had the COVID year. And then when I came back the year after in, um, 2021, you know, they, the team was really more, they were kind of ready to move on and, um, you know, have a younger guy play. And I ended up kind of putting everything on hold and I came back and I ended up, um, I ended up backing up that year. And so, you know, it was kind of my final season and it was not playing out the way I thought it would at all. And I think that really kind of spurred this sort of mentality or this kind of mindset that um, is, is kind of morphed into the concept of authenticity. And when I was kind of going through that uh, season and just dealing with sort of the disappointments of um, not playing out the way I wanted to, I, I sort of just adopted the mindset of focusing on what I knew was absolutely certain in the moment. And if I was willing to make a decision based on what I knew was for certain in the moment, and, you know, that excludes all these external factors that I have no control over, such as, you know, whether I play and whether, you know, what the coaches make as their decisions um, I can't control that. And, you know, if I'm willing, if I'm willing to go back and, you know, play this season based on what I know for certain, which is, you know, what's, what's guaranteed in the moment. And, you know, when I think about those factors, it's things like being able to, to go back and, and spend time with the people that are there and, and, um, you know, have those continue to have those relationships with the people that, that I made that are there. Um, if that, which I know is guaranteed, if, if that is enough, if, if that's enough of a reason for me to be able to make that decision, then, you know, based on those guaranteed factors, then that's, that's what I'm going to, that I'm going to do it, you know? So, um, it's just making decisions based on what you know is a guaranteed outcome of that decision. And the only thing that's guaranteed is the outcomes in the moment and, I think when you make decisions like that, that's when you're kind of acting in your most authentic self. I agree. I think to your point, we can only really uh, react or respond to the moments that are happening right now. Now, right, we can look at those decisions that we have to make right now. And if we make, continue to make good ones, right, that can set us up later, right? So then we don't have to worry about some of the decisions that some people come across. But at the end of the day, right, it comes down to those decisions that uh, happen in the moment and kind of right there and then. 
So I'm kind of curious then what, what's your goal setting strategy then? If like to find a goal, what, what's the strategy there? Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question. Cause I think for sure goals are, they're future oriented in nature. Um, but I think the biggest thing in, is to kind of focus on the process of that goal in terms of, um, you know, are you satisfied with the decisions you made? And, um, you know, are you sort of, are you sort of satisfied in striving? Like, I think, I think you can have goals that are future oriented, but whether your decision to strive for them, um, you know, results in, uh, contentment or disappointment, I think should be hinged on your effort in the moment and your decisions in the moment. Like, um, you know, for example, if you decide, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna take up running or something like that. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your goal is to, if your goal is to run a marathon or whatever, um, and in the moment, you know, you're making decisions to train if you never reach that goal, like, you know, cause that's future oriented. If you never, if you never ran that marathon, you never hit that time. If you're satisfied with the decision in the moment of training, in other words, you know, you just intrinsically enjoy the training. Um, then I think you're making decisions through the lens of authenticity. Whereas conversely, if you're saying, you know, I'm going to train now, but I'm, but I just absolutely, you know, despise it. And I'm only doing it for this future outcome. And then that future outcome never materializes. And as a result, you just feel disappointed in the, you know, the actions you took and the decisions you made. Then I think that's the wrong way to think of it. Um, you know, I think you've got to be satisfied in the, in the moment of the decision. Uh, and, and, uh, kind of regardless of the future outcome. Um, and then that's kind of the focus. And, I think people talk about sort of focusing on the process. And so it's, a, it's a similar concept that's kind of been around, but I think to take it through the lens of authenticity kind of adds another element of it because, um, you know, authenticity has become such a buzzword and I think it, it creates a more solid understanding to, to just what the media is able to provide. And, um, which is really not much because, like I said, I think it just gets thrown around and people are like, oh, authenticity, you know, but um, it doesn't really mean anything to them. So, so I'm kind of curious then, what, what would your definition, what would you think authenticity is? Yeah, so I think of authenticity as, I, I describe it as the, the set, you have a certain set of values, um, you know, that are important to you. And that represents sort of a level of potential that you can achieve um, if you if you act in accordance with those values. And authenticity, it's really like if you think of the word integrity, um, I think there's a lot of misconception about that word because, you know, people would say integrity is kind of like you do the right thing or, you know, what do you do when no one's watching kind of thing. And um, the word integrity actually comes from the root word integer, which is whole. And so I think that it's kind of this like alignment between what you, what you say and what you do. And so I think, you know, as opposed to saying, as opposed to thinking of like, what do you do when no one's watching? I think a better, um, a better question is what do you do when you're watching? 
because authenticity is really between you and yourself and you're always watching your you you know you always know what your decisions are you know what it is you truly value and you know if the decisions that you make are in accordance with those values that that you hold and um so yeah authenticity to me is just an alignment of sort of what what it is you truly value and then the actions that you're taking the decisions that you're making are they in accordance or in integrity um with those values and i, I think where people can get lost is um you know there's a few ways for sure but one of the, one of the really big ones is they never stop to to think and ask themselves difficult questions of what what is their values and sort of live an intentional life uh, by saying okay what you know what are my values what is actually important to me and then evaluate okay what what am i how am i showing up what decisions am i making day to day what how am i choosing to live and evaluating are those uh are those the same do they agree are they are they uh in integrity I would even say so I think I like your point where I think everyone has to have that those values or essentially a standard that they strive to live at because right if we just react to everything in the moment right and we don't have kind of those values to kind of guide us then we just kind of wander aimlessly and we don't really know where we're going to end up and we end up kind of living pretty terrible life but where we have some of those values I think in place it kind of gives us a direction of, all right, I'm not going to cross this line, right? This is the line of, I'm just not going to, like, honesty, for example, right? I'm just going to be an honest person every day, right? doesn't matter. Even if people don't want to hear it, I'm going to be honest, right? You won't cross that line. It kind of guides you in your decision-making. So then when those moments come up, some of those difficult decisions, you're able to make them because now you have your values in place. I, I don't know. Am I kind of hitting that... Uh, hitting that on the head no i i do i think you i think you summarize it really well um and you know that's the thing you you say you have to have you know as you just pointed out you kind of have to have this you have to have this values framework but you have to know what that is for you and one of the points i try to make in the book is that it really doesn't matter what that set of values is for you like it's unique to you and it doesn't it doesn't matter what it is. Like it can be different from person to person. And there's no, there's no sort of psychological consequence for having any set of values. Like whatever you choose to deem is important to you. That's, that's perfectly fine. And other people will value different things. And that's perfectly fine. Where you do get into trouble is, you know, there's, I believe there's a, there's psychological consequences for not acting in accordance with your values. And, um, it's really, it really becomes a framework for decision-making. And as you just kind of summarize, um, you know, people can go through life reactively because they never stop and sort of intentionally build that framework on a conscious level so that when it comes to a point of making decisions, they have that framework to rely on. They already know what's important to me. Um, and then, you know, make decisions to live your life intentionally based on that. Um, you know, a lot of people just kind of go through life decision through decision without really reflecting on what's actually important to them and using that to go forward. And uh, yeah, they live life reactively and unfulfilled. I agree. 
So there's a a guy I I have I've read his book and he I like that you say that the reaction and the responding. I think he actually touches on that. Uh, a lot of people he he talks about first responders they actually solve the problem at hand whereas if you react like right you see a horrible car crash for example right the first reactors are like oh crap what do I do right they start panicking and then but the first responders they actually go in and they're like all right this is what we need to do they're thinking clearly they know exactly what to do and i think kind of differentiating those two words right are you res- a responder or are you a reactor i think that's something a lot of people could benefit from so i'm actually kind of curious how did you kind of come up with this because i mean you got a master i mean yeah bachelor's in business administration how did you kind of come about this i mean you kind of touched on it but like does this side you know what i'm gonna write this down and share it with the world yeah it is interesting because um you know from an educational standpoint kind of what I was studying at university is really quite different from kind of some of the topics in this book. And, um, you know, I think at some point I would like to find the, the coalescence between the concepts of, uh, authenticity and, and business. Um, but yeah, I would say this one is kind of more on a, from a personal philosophy, self-development perspective. And, mm-hmm. um, the way I think of it, like I've, I've certainly had, I've certainly had some, um, unique experiences in my fairly young life. I don't think I've had any, um, I don't think I've had a more unique life than the average person. Um, I just think I have a greater propensity to reflect and sort of draw conclusions from those experiences. Um, you know, I, I think of it like, you know, I kind of liken it to like a comedian, like, you know, I don't think a comedian's life is any funnier. Like, I don't think anything kind of funnier happens to him more than any other person. It's just, he kind of sees the life through that lens where, you know, um, how, how can he make things into, into comedy? And for me, it's like, you know, I've had experiences that are not necessarily atypical, like I'm in the habit and have developed the muscle of sort of self-reflection and, there's this quote I included in the book from Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says, all of life is an experiment. The more experiments you make, the better. And I just think of that as like, you know, every time you make a decision, you have an opportunity to learn something about yourself based on um, how you feel as a result of having made that decision. And, you know, so you, you choose to spend your time and your energy one way, you know, a certain way. And then if you reflect on how you feel as a result of having spent your time like that, you know, you can, you can make a draw a conclusion on, you know, is that important to you to spend your energy and time that way? Um, and then if it is, then you make a conscious effort to, to do it more often. Um, but, you know, like to, the quote is, it's like, you know, you, your life is the experiment, but the experiment is only relevant if you reflect on the results to draw conclusions and move forward with. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the process of the ideas in this book is it's really just a result of reflection and just, you know, reflecting on my experiences um, and trying to find meaning from them. 
And I think that's something that anybody can do. They, you know, because like I say, you know, I don't think my life's any more unique than anybody else's. It's just, do you take the time to reflect on those experiments and um, learn about yourself? And so, you know, I think anybody can kind of develop that skill. I especially agree with that last part where you take the time to learn about yourself, right? I think a lot of people, they find themselves, right? Just, right, they're making decisions regardless, right? Every second that passes by, they're making choices. But then actually taking that step back, like you said, and reflect and then say, huh, I wonder, like, I made this decision. This is kind of, and that's kind of the beauty of the past is you can look and say, well, this is kind of how it turned out. That's interesting, right? Maybe I should go in next time uh, with this, like, more energy. Or maybe I should, uh, like, I, I definitely do this on the podcast. I remember listening to some of my past episodes. I'm like, man, I have, like, I sound monotone. Or, man, I I didn't like what I said there. And you look back and it's like, all right, how can we improve off that? And I think that's ultimately what we're all trying to do is we're all trying to improve our lives in some shape or form. I don't know if that's something you'd agree with there. No, I totally agree. And I think what is so appealing to this, this process is, you know, you make decisions, you reflect on them, you learn about yourself. Um, you learn about how you value um, spending your time and you move forward with a more intentional life. And, you know, I think it's addicting because you just, you, you get to, you get to shape the life you want by more, by spending more time intentionally doing the things that you love. I agree. And that, that's what we want to do, right? We want to do the things we love. So I'm going to use this as the intelligent question of the day. Everyone encounters, I would say, difficult decisions, right? Some of those choices where they're kind of, again, in the balance, it's like, oh, do I, or in some cases, maybe those values like that we talked about earlier, maybe they start conflicting with each other and you have to really make a tough call. What would you say to those people that kind of encounter those difficult decisions? How would you come to, a, I guess, a decision to react there, respond to the? Yeah, I mean, I think... What happens often is people will um, kind of be persuaded to compromise on their on their values while making decisions because um, you know they may see a short term gain as a result of you know kind of making that compromise. Like they they think you know they they act out of accordance with their values because you know they 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 perceive some sort of short term short short term benefit or gain by doing so. And, um, I think once you've, once you understand what your values are, you have a, you have a strong grasp of that and you're confronted with opportunities to make a decision where you're, you're being challenged. I think it requires a lot of faith to, to act, um, in accordance with your values. And by faith, I mean, you, you have to, I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily consider it in terms of uh, religious faith. Like it, it just like I don't consider myself, um, you know, religious. But I consider myself faithful in the sense that, you know, I, I have trust in something bigger than than myself. You know, and um, I think that guides you in the moments when you don't understand 
like when you when you don't understand why the outcomes are what they are mm-hmm. and it kind of helps you keep that long-term perspective where, Hey, if you just continue to, to stay steadfast to your values, um, it's going to work out in the best way possible for you in the long run. Even if in the short run, you, you don't, you don't necessarily like the outcome. Um, yeah. So I, w- I would just say, you know, have faith that in the long run, if you just, if you know your values and you stick to your, you stick to them as your decision-making framework, you're going to end up in the best possible place that you could be. I love that. And that, that right there is the intelligent answer of the day. And I think I, I like the point that you made to faith where you just kind of got to stick with your values, even if you kind of don't know and keep, and especially keep that long-term perspective because I mean, in this world of short-term gratification, all these things that are all over the place, short-term influences, kind of keeping that long-term perspective kind of one, it helps build a better future for you. And two, you're able to analyze your decisions better, right? From the past and learn, and you just find life's more enjoyable. And I like to say, if you keep, if you have, if you look at the long-term, you have a better, you know, long-term life, right? So the long-term moments are more enjoyable. Whereas if you're so obsessed with uh, the short-term, right? Making those enjoyable, then your long term is going to be pretty miserable. And that's, I don't know, that's just kind of my thoughts there. Yeah. No, hey, that's a good way to kind of tie it all together. Um, yeah, that's good. And it, I mean, it ties into authenticity as well. I, I'm, I'm, it's starting to, it's starting to make sense to me. It's like, all right, you got it. You got to be your authentic self. And I mean, yeah, yeah, no. And it, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think, I think there's an intuitive understanding. Like I think a lot of, a lot of people understand it um, in the sense that, you know, people felt it, but they maybe just never thought about it or took the time to try to articulate what it means to them. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of part of what makes the book accessible is it's not, it's not heavily researched. You know, the experiment is your life. You know, you have access to the data. Um, it's there for you. You felt inauthenticity. It's just, do you recognize it? when it happens and are you intentional enough to course correct there you go awesome well bailey thank you for coming on today and you mentioned your book stay the course where can people find that and heck if people want to reach out to you find you what's the best way they can do that um yeah so best place to get it is uh just on amazon um yeah if you just check stay the course um on amazon you'll find it um, and my website is, uh, stay the course book.ca. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a good place to, to also check out kind of what's going on. And, um, you can reach out to me through the website as well there. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate the knowledge you shared and I'm sure the listeners learn stuff because I, I definitely learned as well. So thank you for coming on. Yeah. I appreciate you having me, Josh, and uh, it was a pleasure to to speak with you. And um, you know, you're uh, you're doing great work with the podcast. So um, look forward to keeping keeping an eye on the show. And yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. That that means a lot. So everyone, as you can tell, that is Bailey Wasdall. He's a very intelligent person. Has great things to share. I challenge you guys, if anything spoke to you today, to check out his book. He dropped the information there for you guys. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. 
See you guys next week, and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.